Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, November 5th. now officially into week nine of the NFL schedule and that means a trip to Nissan Stadium by the five and three Bears on Sunday for the first time since 2012 when of course Chicago scored 51 points in a win over Tennessee. Both Chicago and Tennessee are riding two game losing streaks respectively and both are looking to recapture some of their early season form on Sunday. As usual with any Titans game in 2020 we have to start with two matchups. The Titans secondary versus the Bears passing attack and the Titans pass rush against the Bears offensive line. First, Adoree Jackson was back at practice for the Titans on Wednesday. And the Titans have to make a decision this week to either activate him, which is most likely, or place him back on IR again, which seems unlikely. So fans should be more confident than ever that Jackson could make his season debut this weekend. New addition Desmond King, who will not only take Jonathan Joseph's roster spot, but also his jersey number, 33, Savage John Robinson, has yet to see the practice field, but there's an outside chance he could contribute this weekend as well. Jackson's return would be huge, and if both he and King could see some snaps, then this secondary could all of a sudden look very different. So what will this revamped secondary be facing this weekend? The Bears' passing attack features some names Titans fans will recognize from Jacksonville, as quarterback Nick Foles and top target Allen Robinson found some success against the Titans in the past. Robinson caught nine passes for 147 yards in his last meeting against the Titans and has averaged over 100 yards in his five career games against Tennessee. Foles has only faced the Titans once and threw for 272 yards in a loss back in November of last season. Robinson leads a solid but unspectacular group, along with wide receivers Anthony Miller, Darnell Mooney, as well as tight end Jimmy Graham, and a running back in David Montgomery who's been targeted 38 times this season in the passing game. This group isn't nearly as talented as either Pittsburgh or Cincinnati's collection of weapons, but still offers the Titans' new secondary some challenges. The question is really about Foles and his offensive line, and this is where Titans fans can allow themselves to get mildly excited. Foles has attempted at least 39 passes in five consecutive games and has only thrown for more than one touchdown one time. He's thrown an interception in six straight games, and most importantly, he has been sacked nine times over the last two games. This offense has not scored more than 23 points since week three against lowly Atlanta, and the combination of bad pass blocking and Foles under center could actually provide some opportunity for the Titans' pass rush to get right on defense this weekend. More good news for the Titans? The Bears' rushing attack has been largely non-existent over the last five games as well. Chicago has averaged 54 yards rushing per game. That's right, 54, and are averaging 3.8 yards per carry on the season as a team. The Bears have lost two straight games, they're not protecting Nick Foles, and are a one-dimensional offense. If the Titans' defense, who should be pissed off for greatness and concerned about their job security, can't get right with this offense, then we've got much bigger issues in Nashville. I know that the quarterback gets way too much play in general, and I'm starting to feel a little bit like a broken record here, but these SEC quarterback situations are fantastic drama. Georgia is basically a national championship team from 2008. They have every single piece any team could ever need to be great and win a national championship, except they literally are playing with a fourth-string quarterback. And I'm not trying to be rude to the mailman, but Stetson Bennett IV simply isn't good enough to beat Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State in back-to-back games, which is probably what you're going to have to do to win a national championship. But I guess we'll find out if he's good enough to beat Florida, though. 
Meanwhile, the Gators have the best quarterback in the entire conference, running what is likely the best offensive scheme in the entire conference. And if Florida wins, like I think they will, it won't really be for any other reason than the disparity of talent at the game's most important position. Meanwhile, Tennessee has no answers at all about the future of their quarterback position. The only unknown commodity is a true freshman. Jared Garantano is what he is, and I'm not really going out on a limb here by saying that it's pretty clear that J.T. Shrout and Brian Maurer are not national championship caliber quarterbacks. So Harrison Bailey is the last thing left on the roster to try under center if you're going to learn as much as you can about your team for next season. And, of course, the Vols will be facing a quarterback this weekend who has taken up permanent residence in their nightmares. In College Station, Kellen Mond is finally starting to fulfill some of that potential we've been talking about for so long, and he needs to keep proving it this weekend against South Carolina on the road. And if Texas A&M wants to work its way into playoff conversations, which it would deserve if it finished 9-1, then Mond and the Aggies need to win games decisively and look good doing it. Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt have extraordinarily difficult decisions that could shape not only the short-term but the long-term future of their programs at the quarterback position. Meanwhile, Texas A&M and Florida think they can ride their budding stars to the college football playoff. This is the sort of drama you get at the game's most important position in the game's best conference. And all of this on a relatively light weekend in the SEC. FC Dallas roared into Nissan Stadium and totally outplayed Nashville SC in the opening stages of Wednesday's match, and that turned out to be enough to earn the victory. Dallas took the lead in the 19th minute and never really looked back. The 1-0 loss for SC was the club's first in six matches overall, and it gives Nashville just their second home loss of the entire season. The club did battle for most of the second half, but could not finish any of their quality chances over the final 45. Nashville SC finishes its first full season of MLS play with a home record of 4-2-5, strangely enough losing both the first and final matches of the entire home schedule. Despite the poor finish on Wednesday night, by any measure, the first home season of soccer in Music City has to be considered a massive success. The boys in gold are now essentially locked into the play-in round and are still in the driver's seat for a home playoff match, depending on what takes place on the final weekend. The final game of the season comes on Sunday against Orlando City in Florida at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Thank you all for listening, of course, to the show. I do appreciate it. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and share, and tell all your friends. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts on the 440 Sports Network. Of course, all the great Broadway sports media podcasts about the Tennessee Titans, as well as the Gold Standard about the Nashville Predators, Fringe Element about SEC football, and, of course, Lamestream Sports. Going to have Steve Gorman on the show coming up on Friday, so make sure you check that out, all about sports and media and business in Nashville making you guys smarter consumers of media. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Thursday, November 5th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Music.